When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You're listening to Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim, and this week we're talking I Am Woman, as well as all the latest movie and trailer news. Let's get into it. This week we saw I Am Woman on stand, Tim, which tells the story of Australian singer Helen Reddy, who wrote the iconic song I Am Woman. I'm sure you know it. I do know it, and I know it a lot better now having seen the film. <laughs> and the song actually ended up becoming the anthem for the women's movement in the 1970s and 80s. And basically the movie is essentially about the many obstacles and the setbacks that Helen encountered and overcame while trying to succeed in what is very clearly, especially in what is portrayed in this film, a very male-dominated music industry of that mm. time. So she was there to beat her own drum and to make the decisions and become this big, big superstar. I'm surprised we hadn't heard this story before. I mean, it's a tale as old as time. A talented woman against the odds who falls for a dirtbag who can't handle her success. But we haven't heard Helen's story before, which is really surprising to me. She actually is the first Australian woman to win a Grammy for Best Vocal Performance. Yeah, that was a really interesting piece of trivia. She obviously was a bit of a trailblazer, especially a homegrown talent making it big over in the US, which even still to this day is kind of like often considered a pinnacle in someone's success story. Like if you make it big Mm. in like the UK, the US, then you've made it. And, you know, she was, like you said, the first one to kind of really do that for an Australian female singer. There was one point in history as well where she had more hits in the charts than the Beatles, which is incredible. Oh my God, that's pretty insane. How do we not know her story already? (laughs) (laughs) Well, the real Helen Reddy, please stand up. I mean, personally, I felt a bit... uh, Oh, ashamed. I don't know if that's too much of a harsh word, but I really didn't know anything about Helen Reddy. I obviously knew the song. It's this iconic mm. anthem, as as you mentioned at the beginning, but I didn't know her story. I didn't know her as a woman. To be honest, I didn't know she was Australian. I didn't know this song had been written and performed by an Australian. What, if anything, did you know about her coming into this movie? I knew that she starred in Pete's Dragon. 
Yes. That amazing film. That's one of my favourite films. That is like a childhood film, like right next to Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Yeah. Uh, you know, and Mary Poppins. Like Pete Stragon was one of those, yeah, movies. That, oh, you've really taken me back, Lee. <laughs> but I guess the film doesn't lean into her her film and television uh, no. like accolades. It's simply just focused on her music, isn't it? And it jumps straight into it right in the 1960s when she's arriving in New York under the false pretense that she has a recording contract waiting for her. And she gets there only to be told that, no, there's no market for women singers from Australia, which is heartbreaking. I mean, it seemed like a bit of a shock to her, but was there something missing in her making the decision and like heading over to the US to think that she was going to make it bigger to only be told by no. you know another a man who was just taking advantage of her going no sorry we we don't want you yeah. no one wants to listen to you and so the story plays out over like 20 years from that moment mm. until about the late 80s where her song I am woman really solidifies its place as an anthem for the equal rights movement mm. which is a huge fist pump moment in the movie isn't it yeah definitely a big moment like that. Can we talk about the the story and kind of the layers that, that they managed to tell it? So you mentioned that it mm-hmm. kind of kicked straight in to it being set in New York. And mm-hmm. I don't know how you felt, but in terms of the effectiveness of it visually establishing the fact that it was set in New York, I think it didn't quite make it. This film, for, for our listeners, it was made, it was produced and made in Australia. So they didn't go and film uh, overseas. Which we love though. Of course. It's so important to to be creating content and films and in in our own market, but it just it still felt like Helen Reddy was walking out at Martin Place Station. I didn't really get that big feeling mm. of New York, and I think it really lacked the opening of the movie lacked an establishing shot to kind of make it really clear that we were in New York City because then it was just hard for me to to agree that it was. <laughs> Well, speaking about the sets and cinematography, it was the cinematographer was Oscar winner Dion Beebe, who is the director Anju Moon's partner, coincidentally. He's made some really interesting films and obviously is an Oscar winner. I was really impressed with the choices that he was making in the framing and the linking of the scenes, taking out what you've just said about it not being convincing sure. <laughs> that it was New York and LA. I think that the, the DOP did a really excellent job But for me, I think where it lacked was the sets because I also felt like the set on the train, there were a few scenes that happened on a New York subway that just didn't feel real and authentic. It looked quite fake and the hotel room that she stayed in. So I think maybe it wasn't necessarily the way that it was shot, but just kind of how it was dressed and realised visually, which was kind of a bit off-putting for me. I was unconvinced. I think an important thing to remember, though, is that it is an Australian production and it was on the festival circuit, so mm. it is a low-budget uh, production. Not really low-low, but, you know, it's, it's made on an independent budget, basically. Of course, of course. And I guess those cracks start to show in certain departments, and I think that, yeah, set decoration and art department was kind of one of the more telling cracks. What did you think about the script? The screenplay was written by Emma Jensen, who also wrote Mary Shelley. I I had an issue. <laughs> I'm coming in quite hard for, for poor <laughs> Iron Woman. But I, I felt that you had actors trying really hard with a script that really let it down. Mm. I felt like the dialogue was was very, very cliched and it kind of impacted some really big moments that they were trying to achieve. How did you did you feel it came across really cliched with its dialogue or what? 
What, what did you think? I'll agree with you that there wasn't a lot of subtlety mm-hmm. to the script and the actors were working harder than they probably needed to. Sure. Some scenes did play a bit like an encyclopedia of inspirational quotes. Right. Which I felt was a really heavy-handed approach to making this film a really uplifting, you know, journey. I mean, there's, it's obvious that there's a lot of respect and affection for Helen Reddy and her work yes. in this film. So everybody behind the scenes very obviously wanted to do it justice. I think they did in a lot of ways, but the script did let it down a little bit. Yeah, I think there was um, one key moment that I can recall now is is between Helen and her husband, Jeff, played by Evan Peters, who I think was fantastic. We can talk mm. about him in a moment. But I felt like the escalation to relationship conflict for them was quite cliched and abrupt. And mm. I, we didn't really get a sense of, of understanding that they were going through troubles. It was kind of just there in front of us. And these these words of dialogue came out that felt very stilted and expected. And there wasn't enough opportunity for the actors to really maybe showcase their emotions and what they were feeling physically. They just mm. had to kind of say say it how it was and it just kind of felt a bit off off putting as as an audience mm. member for me anyway. Well, I guess sometimes it can be tough for an audience to believe that such a strong woman would fall for someone as flawed as Jeff Wald, who yeah. has her husband, because he had a lot of drug problems and um, money issues and obviously was very insecure about the success and talent that she had. Yeah, absolutely. But I think Evan Peters and Tilda Cobb and Hervey who played Helen, I think they did a fantastic job in terms of chemistry with each other. Yeah, I agree with you. I think they had really good chemistry. Their first encounter at that party was was mm. really nice. It was, there was a lot of banter and, and back and forth, and you thought, oh, okay, they, these two kind of really dig each other. And I think they certainly seeded his cocaine addiction quite well and, and kind of his escalation to his erratic behaviour and how it was affecting mm. those around him was effective, I guess, in the end. And he, he was very, very... Good and not to say I was unexpected that Evan Peters would deliver such a performance because he he does some really great work in television yep. and film. But he, I think, was the standout in this film for me personally in, in bringing bringing the character of Jeff to life. Another relationship that I really enjoyed was Helen and her best friend, another Australian expat, Lillian Roxon, mm. who's known as the Mother of Rock, and she was played by Daniel McDonald, who's doing big things in Hollywood at the moment. I really enjoyed that relationship between them and how the friendship developed, but it developed really suddenly. And I think that comes back to the structure and the lack of focus that the script seemed to have. Yeah, I agree with you. It was kind of, we had to just accept and agree that they were really close and chummy, even though they they were quite fun. You know, the character of Lillian was really fun and she didn't hold back. And I think it really nurtured the whole focus on strong women doing things in a male-dominated industry. One as a a journalist in Lillian and one as an artist in Helen, which I thought was really well, Mm. was really well achieved by the two actresses. So the movie was directed by Anju Moon, and we've said already that it's quite obvious that she has a great affection and deep loyalty to Helen Reddy's story. This is her feature directorial debut, Mm. and I found it very impressive. I think the directing was really sharp. She certainly knows musicians, and she's worked on documentaries before and music videos, so she knows this genre very well, and I think she's done a good job here. What did you think? Yeah, I think she did well. I... It's often sometimes when you say it's a feature debut, then it makes you think, oh, okay, yeah, I can see the the holes in 
in why that mm. might have been so. But I think that yeah, like like you said, there was a lot of there was a lot of heart in the film that she would have that she would have brought to the table, and obviously in how she worked with the actors. I think that just from my perspective, she probably wasn't working with the strongest script, which kind of let her down a little bit at times. But I think in terms of realizing a story that the world doesn't really know that well, I think that she did a really beautiful job in bringing that together and and educating people Mm. like you and me who may not have known Helen in any great detail other than than the very, very famous song. Which was actually co-written by another man called Ray Burton, but you don't know that either. And he's actually a little bit unimpressed with the film because that was, I guess, brushed over. Yeah. It seems like she wrote the song herself. I mean, they never specifically say that, but no, it's definitely brushed over. To, just on that point, that's really interesting. And I feel like that was a part in the film that lacked because, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is just how I felt, but it didn't, I didn't really get much conviction in the moments that Helen was leading up to writing that song. Like I thought it was going to be this big cinematic mm. moment. Maybe I'm being too uh, melodramatic in, in what a, music biopic should achieve when you've got like the song that everyone's Mm. waiting to hear sing and be written and how they were inspired and what happened to find those lyrics it just kind of was written and they sat in the boardroom listening to the song of course Mm. the men in the room thought it was a bit of a whinge fest and hating on men like of course but there wasn't really much to it that wanted me to fist pump the air obviously there were other moments like that later but what about you But I think that's kind of the point, that it was a throwaway moment, that this incredible, poignant song that really resonated with a whole generation of people was written in a little burst of inspiration to help her daughter and help her friend feel strong. Sure, sure. I think that's kind of lovely. I think that's a lovely kind of symmetry that it did that. I guess, yes, songs don't need to be born from moments of drama, but just pure inspiration and one moment you don't have a hit song, the next you do. And I guess that exactly. was that was the story of I Am Woman. So, yeah, probably right. And it really got a second wind in the 80s at the um, equal rights movement, as we already discussed. Yeah, definitely. And that was when she wasn't even singing anymore. Yeah, she'd kind of, you know, drawn the curtains on, on her professional life in singing, but it was quite a quite a poignant moment when she did come back. And obviously the the women in the world needed to hear her sing and 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 be mm. and for, for them to feel heard again. So how many popcorn kernels would you give I Am Woman? So I guess I, I was really interested in learning more about Helen, but at the end of the day, I don't think it was a particularly well-realized film from a script and dialogue point of view. I thought it was well-directed mm. like we've covered off. But with the statement around the song that inspired a, a revolution, I never really got that from the film. And I felt like that emotional that emotion and connection wasn't there for me. So I was a bit underwhelmed, but I'll, I'll give it two two popcorn kernels. See, I'm going to give it three and a half because I think it was a really beautiful, respectful story told with a lot of love about an incredible woman. And I just wonder what it would have been like to watch this in a cinema full of people who know the song and it resonates with you just get swept up in that emotion. And I did feel that at the end when they were playing the song, like it was a real fist pump moment. Sure. But it's a real shame that we couldn't have seen it in a big group setting in a cinema. I agree. That shared cinema experience is so powerful 
and and it's a real shame that we're kind of not really getting those experiences so much at the moment but um yeah that might have that might have helped in terms of its overall impact but i'm glad you enjoyed it though honestly so that's i am woman streaming on stand now lee before we jump into news we just want to remind everyone to get their entry in for bill and ted face the music ticket giveaway That's right, to be in with a chance to win one of five double passes to see the movie when it hits cinemas on September 10, which is just around the corner, head to the Popcorn Podcast Facebook or Instagram page. Make sure you like or follow, depending on the platform. Yes, that is a very important point to make your entry valid. You need to like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram. And then tag the friend you would go on a time-travelling adventure with in the comments. Too easy. We love all the entries so far, guys. You're about as excited as we are to see this movie. It's only a couple of weeks away. We can't wait. All right, Lee, we got a special look trailer for The New Mutants, which was just released the other day. It's a new superhero film with a twist of horror. It's in Aussie cinemas out September 3rd. What did you think? We have been waiting for this film for bloody ever. (laughs) Finally, it's almost out. And I was really excited by this new look. We're seeing a lot of more of the special effects and a bit more mm. of the story. I think we're going to be really impressed with it, although reviews have been mixed so far. Have been mixed, yeah. Look, it, it, it's it's such a fascinating story about the life and times of the New Mutants. It was meant to come out like three or four years ago yeah. and obviously hit by COVID and the poor bastard of a movie has just been shifted and shifted. <laughs> but look, September 3rd, hopefully it holds on and we'll be able to bring a review for that film in the coming weeks. Now, John Carpenter, the godfather of cult horror, has revealed he is working with Blumhouse Productions on a remake of his 1982 classic, The Thing. It's very early stages of development at the moment, so there's not a lot of news, but this really makes me feel assured, I guess. Assured is about right. I think it's so important and it goes a long way when a studio wants to reboot, remake, revamp, whatever words you want to throw in it. They want to do that with with an established piece of IP. But if you've got one of the original filmmakers or visionaries behind it, mm. it kind of puts it on this trajectory of positive sentiment for, for the viewers mm. and the audience anticipating that they're not going to fuck up, you know, a classic film. So I think, yeah, we'll just watch this space, but hopefully John Carpenter can keep it on the straight and narrow. And you know how I feel about remakes. So (laughs) if you're going to do a bloody remake, at least get the original creator on board. Exactly. That's all Lee asked for, honestly. (laughs) The King's Man has been pushed back to next year, unfortunately. I thought we were past this. Yeah, look, this franchise, this is the third in the franchise. It's going to be a prequel of The Kingsman and The Kingsman, uh, The Golden Circle, which Mm. quite strangely starred Elton John. Uh, And and yeah, this one was was shaping up to be a pretty fun ride. Mm -hmm. I think Rasputin's in there. So yeah, it's a real shame we've kind of got to sit pretty for a while because uh, yeah, this would have been one of those movies I would have been really excited to get my popcorn, sit in the cinema and be, you know, blown away. But um Alas, COVID, another casualty. We have to wait. Yes. We're also getting the first trailer for the highly anticipated June remake in the early hours of September 10 Australian time. People are banging for this. They are paving the way to this trailer drop really well. Have you seen the Empire exclusive first looks at some of the characters and Mm. and the monsters? Yeah, it's pretty epic. So... I'm just, yeah, rubbing my greedy little hands together for this trailer. Hopefully, oh, hopefully it's good. We need this. It's so nerve-wracking when you get a franchise or a 
piece of IP that is mm. so beloved. I mean, like, look what happens to Star Wars. There's so much pressure on the filmmakers to get it right. And with the cast that they have lined up, an incredible cast, I can't even list them all, it's looking like it might be pulled off. Lee, we got the first look at Raya and the Last Dragon from Disney, and the image shows Raya, who is voiced by Kelly Marie Tran of Star Wars fame, with her trusty steed, Tuk Tuk. So in this story, Raya must track down the Last Dragon to save the world from some sinister monsters, and the film also features Aquafina as the voice of the dragon, which is really cool. And Raya and the Last Dragon is scheduled for March 2021, so that's coming up really soon such a fan of animated films and obviously Disney are the ones to make original animated films. (laughs) Exactly. So we're really, really excited for this and yeah, love the first looks. So Tenet was finally released in Australian cinemas. It's Christopher Nolan's time-bending sci-fi film, which carried the weight of the world's expectations after coronavirus shut cinemas down. There was a lot of pressure on this film. Oh, so much pressure. And there are people in the US, get this, flying to different states to be able to see this film. Amazing. Like, absolute dedication. Um, And reviews are mixed, and we reviewed this one last week, so check out that on your favourite podcast app to see what Lee and I thought of Christopher Nolan's time-bending epic. And we have some sad news, which has just come out, that Chadwick Boseman, who of course played King T'Challa in Black Panther and in the Avengers films, has passed away after a four-year battle with colon cancer. It's absolutely devastating. It's really moving. Hearing this news and seeing Hollywood react, all his mm. co-stars and people within the industry who who are saying such beautiful things about him as a man and, and, and as an artist... And talk about a hero. He's been Mm. making films for the last four years in between chemotherapy and multiple surgeries. Like, that is so much respect. One, for him to have been battling this cancer privately, Mm -hmm. but then also to be bringing such incredible work and performances to us as an audience. Like, a hero, like you said, just unbelievable. How lucky are we? He's the epitome of dignity, and I think we were only just beginning to scratch the surface of what he can do in terms of acting. So it's a really big loss for the industry. Yeah, huge loss. But um, when really popular, fantastic artists do pass, it's an opportunity to go back and, and revisit their work, which is, I guess, a, a silver lining to 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 enjoy, right, I suppose? Perhaps equally devastating is that we won't get Black Panther 2 now, or at least not the Black Panther 2 that would have starred Chadwick Boseman. And his casting and his performance in this role meant so much to so many. It was groundbreaking for so many reasons. Mm. And it's almost beautiful in that it will stand alone now. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of pressure and expectation on what Disney or Marvel choose to do now. Will they? Mm. Will Black Panther be a standalone? He will no longer be part of the MCU? Or they look for a respectable way to respect and acknowledge his performance and mm. continue the story? I guess time will tell and, and we'll, we'll bring it to you once once we know. Yeah, I think he's irreplaceable. So the only way that they could go would be to hand the helmet of the claws onto someone else. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the way to go too. Well, despite the uh, sad way to end the podcast, Mm. we had a lot of fun bringing this one to you. We reviewed I Am Woman, which you can now stream on Stan. Thank you for listening. And catch you next time. We have a website, popcornpodcast.com. 
go check it out. We've got all our episodes up there for you to listen to. If you'd like to get to know us a little better, there's an About Us section and we run giveaways. So keep an eye on the website for more information. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.